0: BuzzFeed.com has uh, 27 comic books that came out on 20 came out 20 years ago. Let's see how many we've read or, and or have. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1993 was the biggest ever year for sales in the comics industry. This is what was on the racks. Sorry if this makes you feel like you're a million years old. Or 20 years old. I was just going to say, why would it make you feel a million years old when it was <laughs> 20 years ago? Nightfall Chapter 11 from that, 497. We? we totally have. I don't think we've...
1: No, I really don't think we've read that.
0: What, Nightfall? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't think we even own
1: it. Hmm. I was convinced that we did. I'm not sure, actually. Hmm. Okay.
0: Good cover, though. Yeah. (laughs) Uncanny X-Men 300. Never read it, don't own it. No. Is that a John Jr. cover? It looks like it, yeah. It does, doesn't it? Uh, Maximum Carnage Part 12 uh, from Spider-Man 37. Sadly, we've read that one. Sadly, we've read that one. Uh, Reign of the Superman from Superman 79. That is an awesome cover, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's the Cyborg Superman in case anyone's wondering that's a brilliant cover uh, death the high cost of living issue 3 got it read it would not would all of the issues not have come out 20 years ago all of these ones did
1: yeah but would all the death ones not have come out 20 years ago I think it's partic- I
0: don't know probably okay giant size 1 an issue of web of spider-man got it read it spider armor I enough haven't. said
1: I have a spider armor action figure you do I bought you that mm-hmm.
0: uh, blood strike 4 never read it don't Looking at that cover, don't want to. That's X-Men. It, it's awful, isn't it? That's Wolverine, though, and that's, like, The only cable. thing bigger than that bloke's thighs is that woman's boobs. Those circles. Ugh. <sighs> Dear God, that's dreadful. Uh, the Sandman issue 50. Uh, read it, but we don't have it anymore because you've got all the watch sets. Spawn 15. Reddit, it, used to have it, sold all my Spawn issues. Made decent wedge <laughs> of them because I thought they were crap. <laughs> yeah, crap. Catwoman 1. Read it, own it. I think. Um, What the hell's that? I can't even read it. It's a Valiant comic. Rye, Rye, okay. Thunderstrike number one, never read it. Is that a four? Yeah, it's no, it's Thunderstrike. Who replaced the offer for a bit? Okay. Wolverine seventy nine, never read it. Don't know
1: seventy
0: five. Is it? Yeah. Yes, Wolverine seventy five. Sorry. So, so you're Superman Man of Steel number twenty three, Reign of the Superman, got it, read it. Deathmate, there doesn't seem to be an issue number. Not read it. Don't care to. Robin one, read it, awesome. <laughs> X Men twenty four, never read it. Don't care. Uh, the Max issue one never read it not interesting <laughs> uh, Avengers 368 never read it don't care uh, 8 Ball oh I've never read that one, that was quite interesting <laughs> that actually does look like a funny cover. Sonic the Hedgehog fast first issue don't think I've read that one rather than a slow first issue Static number one got it loved it thought Static was brilliant Shared the Changing Man issue 33 I, I remember don't really it, enjoying Shared the Changing Man Shade the Changing Man was great we've read them all mm-hmm. X-Force so twenty two don't cur. You could I can't even measure my not curry. Mm-hmm. Uh Night's Quest the Crusade, Detective Comics Six Six, Seven. I like Knights Fall, Night's Quest, Night's End. That's not a particularly good cover though. You've got it's tiny really hands. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we ripped the mic out. We did. Them. Young Blood One. Again, Leffield, I'm so. large with the not curry uh, The smartest kid on earth, Jimmy Corrigan. I've not read it. I don't even know if I've heard of that. It looks like Stewie from Family It actually. does look like Stewie, doesn't it? Uh, is that it? That looks like is it. Is that all of them? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I don't know if that was as interesting as I thought it as I hoped it would be. Mm. Oh, well, never mind. Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then
1: I'll begin. Hey, kids! Comics. My kid has a job i just want to go on a date
0: faulty metaphor kryptonite kills you're assuming i meant the
1: green kryptonite i was referring of course to the red kryptonite which drains superman his powers
0: wrong the gold kryptonite's a power sucker the red kryptonite mutates superman in some sort of weird
1: guys reality besides i can just tell something's wrong when spider sense is tingling
0: your spider sense i oh, stay behind and put around in the cave hey, with crusty old Alfred here. Ah, uh, no, I am no Alfred So I forget, Alfred had a job. But gee, Mr. White, if Clark and Lois get
1: all the good stories, I'll never be a good reporter. Mm-hmm.
0: Jimmy Olsen job is pretty much made me last time. Sorry.
1: Avengers assemble, let's get it going. Hey, Kids Comics!
0: Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to our little podcast, our little corner of the internet universe. Does the internet have corners? I don't know. Who's to say that it doesn't have corners? Well, if it did, we'd have one. Yes. Maybe the internet's flat. Maybe. That would be awesome, if the internet was flat. You can fit it into a box. Yeah. Could and you could fit it into a box. You could sail off the edge of it. Yeah. That would be brilliant. Until someone discovers it's round. Oh. That would completely ruin my fun. It would. Anyway, um, this is our little corner of the internet universe, in which I, Andrew Leyland, And my lovely son, Michael Eiland, talk about comics. Yes. If that sounds like it's your cup of tea, then join us. If it sounds like, "Mm, no, that's not really for us, then, you know, no harm, no foul. Don't join us. Yeah, go and... There's plenty of other things that you could be doing. Plenty of other free entertainment on the internet. Hours doesn't involve you listening to it with only one hand, but... Oh, right. Oh, dear. (laughs) You're very slow tonight, aren't you? It seems a bit bereft tonight. Mm. It seems a bit odd, doesn't it, to, to not be doing Superman. To you. It's, it's, a, it's a strange feeling. I feel like I've not done any work. You've not. For tonight's episode. You've not, really? Well, I have. I've done the same amount of work but that used to go into a regular episode we oh, doing regular episodes now. But compared to what we put into Happy Birthday Superman, this felt like a walk in the park. hmm On a nice sunny day. So we'll go where we're happy. And I'll meet you at the cemetery gate. It's raining. <laughs> a dreaded sunny day. Uh, yeah, so we're back to normal. hmm But still, people have emailed in us, uh, in two us, I Can Speak Proper. People me. have emailed into us. Yes, people have emailed into us. <laughs> up our noses and, and stuff like that. And other orifices that we, yeah. don't, we don't wish to talk about. People have emailed into us mm-hmm. about Superman. Yes. So it's not like he's gone completely. Our first email. Guess who our first email's from? Is it from Luke Giaconetta? It's from Luke Giaconetta. It's good to have him back. It is. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Hello. Hello. Shady's back. Back again. Tell a friend. I don't know the rest of the words. Guess to that
1: who's one. back? Guess who's
0: back? Oh yeah, guess <laughs> who's back? They're real <laughs> slim shady. They're real slim shady. All the real other slim. slim Shadies are just imitators. That one. There is real. Slim sh- These are real topical <laughs> references they that are. we're making tonight. <laughs> Uh, they've been ages in a few years. Yeah, they've aged us already. Uh, the subject heading from Luke's email that we haven't even started before we got sidetracked tonight. That must be a world record. Oh, I was sure record. Is it entitled? Maybe I do, Lois. Maybe I do. Wink. More Superman! Lightsaber noises. Lightsaber noises. Lightsaber noises. Schnick, <laughs> schnick, <laughs> schnick, schnick, schnick. Oh, man of Steel! You might have entered that, <coughs> that do you want me to put real lightsaber noises in there? You could, or okay. you could reenact it yourself. It's more fun if you make your own lightsaber noises, isn't it? It is. Because
1: <laughs> when you, when, you, when you play with a lightsaber, you know, you're not relying on the batteries to do the job. No, you're
0: doing it yourself. Ewan McGregor apparently used to do that on set, and George had to tell him to stop it. <laughs> Knock it off, Ewan! But I'm playing with my lightsaber! And all the women on the set that day... <laughs> lots of women on the set that day. <laughs> uh, I remember, continues Luke's email, watching The Adventures of Superman on Nick at Night when I was a kid. Nick at Night is a, a channel, I do believe. Is it? Yes, for those that didn't know.
1: Mm-hmm. While
0: well, the show was a classic and I did love it as a kid, I am forced to think about noted Superman fan Jerry Seinfeld's classic statement about the show. How did the Daily Planet get published? They only have three reporters and 20 minutes into every episode, two of them are tied up in a cave and the third is flying through the her. Who's typing this thing? Perry White? I can't keep doing this, you know. I'm getting old. Lol. The death of George Reeves reigns one of the great unsolved mysteries in Hollywood, sadly. One element which I always thought was too bizarre was that there were evidently several bullet holes in the wall of Reeves' room where he supposedly killed himself, yet these holes were plastered over. Yet this was either missed or ignored by the police. I don't think anyone will ever know what really went down, though.
1: Maybe. He, he went to shoot himself every night but he lost his nerve and shot out at the wall instead and plastered over but then this one night he didn't lose his nerve
0: Um, I don't know I don't know what I think about the George Reeves death thing there's so much contradictory evidence at this point he mm. committed suicide he didn't commit suicide and it's 50 years on that's a pretty cold case mm. for you to to be able to solve unless they've already solved it they've just not released it yeah, possibly, maybe they're keeping it a secret. So I don't know. It's it is a very bizarre one. Mm. I've never read the story about Superman losing his memory, continues Luke, but I do remember the TV episode. But the thing which stands out to me about your episode is the brief discussion about Wayne Boring. Despite his unfortunate name, Boring has to be THE Superman artist of the 1950s. Boring had a great look for the character, a thick football player physique matched with a classic 50s square face, Square in the personality sense more so than the shape, which is in many ways the definition of this odd period in DC Comics history. I like Boring Superman work even more when compared to some of the other DC artists of the time working on other strips. And given my love of war comics, the comparison to Joe Kubert is an interesting one. Comparing Kubert's war output with Boring Superman output brings the subjective concept of which artist is good for which property into sharp relief. For example, Boring Superman is clearly not a normal man, whilst Kubert's Sergeant Rock is a heroic human. But a human, nonetheless. So while both star a clearly heroic lead, the difference between the superhero and the normal man is plain, and yet each one fits the story perfectly, and is lauded by fans of each. You like Cubert, don't you? I do. Mm. Which Cubert are you not a fan of? Adam. Adam Cubert. Andy's my favourite. What's the difference between Adam and Andy Cubert? They have different styles, do they? Mm. Who who did? Was it Andy Cubert that did Last Son? No, that was Adam Cubert. Was that Adam Cubert? Yeah. And it was Andy Cubert that did the first issue of Morrison's Batman run. But he That's did a, a lot of it. Right. Right, yeah, so The Last Son stuff's a lot scratchier. Mm. He's kind of midway in between his dad and the other one, isn't he? I suppose, yeah. Because Joe Cubert's is quite scratchy, but very detailed. Mm. And, and Andy Cubert is
1: quite blocky. yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah, actually, it was great under Jokey, but it's pinks. Does he? Because there's been quite a few of it where they don't work together.
0: Right, okay.
1: I'll take your word for that, because I don't... What, in what? Um, there's a cover of Morrison's Batman. Right. And they did one of the recent Before Watchmen's together. I've oh. not read any Before Watchmen. Have you
0: got any interest in Before Watchmen?
1: The Darwin Cook stuff, but nothing else.
0: I don't know if I'm even interested in the Darwin Cook stuff, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just have no zero interest in Before Watchmen. At all. Yeah. I just can't muster up any enthusiasm (laughs) for it. Luke continues... Superman has benefited tremendously over the years by having a lot of really good artists who worked on it, and thus created a lot of iconic looks for the character. After the Doomsday storyline, Wizard magazine did a special edition focusing on the Man of Steel, which was actually quite nice. One of the best features in the book was a multi-page pictorial showcasing all of the major artists who had drawn Superman over the years, in mostly chronological order. Excellent stuff. For the second story, Superman and Batman, I'm one of those weirdos who likes the idea of Superman and Batman being friends, you weirdo, Something about Superman having enough perception and Batman being enough of a detective to understand that they can trust one another. Understandable that this is not nearly as popular as the idea of them distrusting each other. But that always rubbed me the wrong way. I guess my brain is just more wired for Silver Age in some respects. I don't mind what Frank Miller did in The Dark Knight Returns, but every encounter between the two which happened after that requires Superman to act like a complete moron in order for the story to work. Regarding Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark, I take issue with you saying that Tony Stark is a persona. Right. Did I say Tony Stark is a persona? No idea. I probably meant personality. You are correct, Luke, to take issue with the word persona. I probably didn't actually mean to say persona. Mm. Because Tony Stark isn't a persona, is he?
1: No.
0: Tony Stark is who he is, really. He's not putting on an act when he's Tony Stark, is he? No. No. Yeah. Okay. So yes, take issue with because that was wrong. As someone who has finally finished his complete run of Iron Man, I can safely say that Tony Stark really is a snarky goof. Didn't Bruce Wayne start to act intentionally goofy in the Bronze Age at some point? Yes, yes, he did. Bruce Wayne did start to go through a little, a bit of a goofy period. I never liked it. Nothing you said. Always oh, reminded me too much of Clark Kent. Bruce shouldn't be Clark Kent. He should be a bit vague. Mm. Maybe distracted when a woman walks past him to fuel his image. But I actually quite like Bruce, a Bruce Wayne who is actually in the boardroom and can take charge. And I mean, I, I understand that he likes Lucius do the day-to-day stuff. Mm. But I, I don't like a Bruce Wayne who isn't respected by the people in the boardroom. I prefer a Bruce Wayne that in the boardroom of Wayne, whatever. They're all sat around the table and they have to go. Actually, young Bruce knows what he's talking about. Yeah. But then when he's not in the boardroom, he's a millionaire playboy. Be nice to be a millionaire playboy, wouldn't it? as far as the super key to fort superman continues Luke the problem with the key that requires 100 men to lift up as a security system is that why can't Lex Luthor hire 100 men to lift up the key that's actually quite a good point mm. <laughs> I have never considered that
1: maybe Luthor just can't be arsed getting 100 men to go and lift it
0: or one guy with the strength of 100 men heck what about 100 curious Eskimos <laughs> So one hundred Eskimos just happen to be wandering past the key. Yeah. They see the big lock in the in the door to the fortress. Is the
1: filming merch of the penguins.
0: The filming much of the Eskimos. Well, yeah. That works as well. And they lift up the key and break into the fortress as just out of curiosity. Yeah. It's this giant thing here. That's actually quite
1: funny. <laughs> it sounds like a golden age comic. It does, at or a silver edge.
0: More silver edge, I think, than golden edge. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, this is the DC Universe. Stranger stuff than giant keys happen every single hour of every single day. That's never made sense to me. Supergirl is always welcome, but unfortunately, she started a trend which introduced more and more survivors of Krypton, to the point that it seemed like no one beyond Jor-El, Lara and a few close neighbours were the only people who died when the planet exploded. The idea of her as Superman's secret weapon is a classic Silver Age relic, but sadly the best Supergirl story I ever read was her death in Crisis on Infinite Earths always great to hear Anne you're on the show my wife and I are expecting our first daughter this summer so I know what to look forward to oh congratulations Luke I hope you're going to call her Daisy that would be awesome okay Daisy Jackinetta. alright and then you'd have to have a son and call it Boo, and then they would have Bo Luke and Daisy fair enough that would be brilliant no seriously congratulations to you and Mrs. Jackinetta. okay but no seriously call her Daisy but seriously call her Daisy because that would be awesome of Kara, I considered Kara. Kara Jackenesis. No, not for Luke. All oh, right, for your sister Dimbulb Okay then. We considered Kara for about two minutes, and then your mum vetoed it. <laughs> well, this email uh, is long, so I will sign off now. Till the next episode, and even more Superman later, dudes. Luke, oh, congratulations, Luke. I mean, not congratulations on the act of of getting your wife pregnant. I presume that was fun. But congratulations on the impending birth of your daughter. Daughters are great. I love having a daughter. Thanks, Dad. I love having a son <laughs> as well. If you show this so much enthusiasm towards having a son. No, I do show a great deal of enthusiasm towards having a son. But I think I've said this before. You would kill for your son. You would murder for your daughter. I think that's the difference. What? What's the difference, though? I'll think that through. I'll, 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 let you, I'll let you ponder the difference, though. There isn't a difference. There is, there is totally a difference. There is not. There is totally a difference. Between killing someone and murdering someone? Yes. What's the difference? There is a difference. What? If somebody had hurt you, I would hurt them back. Right. If somebody even threatens to hurt your sister, I will kill them in cold blood. Alright, so you prefer her? No, that's not what I'm saying. It's essentially what you're saying. It's just a very different relationship between a pirate. Because you prefer them? No! It's not! <laughs> anyway, here's a spade I am going to dig my way out of this hole by merely commenting that Luke has a PS Lois wants a pearl necklace of course she does (laughs) we're never going to live that down are we, the pearl necklace thing we didn't invent it (laughs) and we didn't put it in the comic you know, it's just our dirty mind went the Rob Stubbs is back hi Rob with Superman Through the Ages Part 5 hello my British amigos Andrew and Michael. Can we be an amigo if we're British?
1: Yes. Can we? If the person saying, calling you an amigo is a Mexican. You yeah, it
0: Rob's I'm a Mexican? Good. That would be awesome. Yeah. Hey, amigo! Under the... Under anybody Under <laughs> Do they really talk like that? <laughs> Probably. No. Let's not reinforce the
1: stereotype. Let's not reinforce If we can... <laughs> Avoid it. There's already so many Mexican stereotypes
0: that are true anyway. Yeah, so let's avoid that one. Yeah. Just let's take the high ground, mm-hmm. and you take the low ground. Yeah. And I'll be in Scotland before you. Okay. no, no, no. no, no. As this episode was a massive three-hour-long extravaganza. They oh all God, love. it was, wasn't? It? No, no, that one was. God, that was long. That one. Mm-hmm. When well, we did Superman 400, I could not believe how much you talked in that episode, dude. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I do apologise for the length of that but We will okay. never make an episode that long ever again. Ever. I promise. Oh, well, I can't really promise it because you never know. But I doubt that we'll ever make an episode that long ever again. I considered making my email just as massive but decided against it, more due to my innate laziness than any desire to spur my fellow listeners and you guys, by amusing babbling.
1: <laughs> I wonder if someone could write a, an email into us that's longer than the actual That show. took us three
0: hours to read. Yeah.
1: Maybe three hours to write... Yeah. I don't think it would take us three hours to read. Or maybe they'd cheat and they'd save up their emails every week.
0: And send us one long big one in 20 years' time. Yeah. (laughs) When the the show ends. It'll end before 20 years, dude. I'm pretty convinced about that.
1: Then why are they only going to send it in 20 years then if the show's already ended? Maybe
0: they'll still send it to us and we'll do a one-off episode. Just for that email. Yeah, well, you're nearly 40. (laughs) So you're nearly the age I am now. Right. And I'm, get off my lawn! Kind of age. No. Just to do that email, we'll just read that email out. It's a very special episode, and because it's the future, we'll just beam it directly from the moon, where we're all living. Okay, how think that be good?
1: Could we all live on the moon?
0: The moon's smaller than the earth. Yeah, but no, there's no we water on the moon. All live. On, you'd have to terraform bits of it, and you'd have to have domes but and all that kind of stuff.
1: There's no water on the moon, so could we all fit on there in that case?
0: Not the entire planet, but I'm not talking about taking the entire planet, though. I'm happy just us five. Don't like the entire planet. No, 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 no. I'm not a big people person. Just us five. We'll go and live on the moon. And uh, we can be... We know what we'll do. We'll have the laser guns on the moon (laughs) that we fire at passing aliens. Saying, get off our lawn! Space division.
1: Okay. That would be awesome. And sometimes, just just to mess things up, we shoot in, like, Arizona. (laughs) Into the
0: desert. We can shoot Sorry, pointed it the wrong way. Anyway, as I am not re-listening to all three hours just to describe this message, oh, I doubt your commitment there, Rob. Mm. Uh, I happen to know for a fact some people listen to the show at least twice. I doubt your co- I doubt your commitment. Who are these people? Uh, Chris Warden. Hi, Chris all right, all right, has okay. listened to our show twice. All right. On his long-distance lorry journeys. Twice as in two episodes. No, no, he listened to it and then listened to it again. Right. I was very <laughs> impressed with that. Mm. I don't listen to this drivel twice. Unless you don't have to. <laughs> well, then, well, well, I have to edit it. Yeah. And then I have to listen back to it and make sure you've not said anything offensive. Which I usually have. Which you normally have, that I have to cut it out. Mm-hmm. And then... <laughs> but after that, <laughs> and it, it goes out into the ether. I don't download it for pleasure. You do, you do though anyway no I don't I don't listen to me I started listening you know when we started putting the old ones up mm. on Two Tree Freaks I did go back and listen to them as they were posted because mm. I thought people are probably going to email in about them and then when nobody did I thought I can't be bothered with this Fair enough. it's painful listening to early shows isn't it it is not that you've ever listened to any anyway Not really. <laughs> anyway we'll get back to Rob's email because you know times a ticking
1: yes time is money Oh, I wish. And while standing on the landing might sound like a good band name, it was killing money.
0: <laughs> Let's get down to the issue. I've never actually read, and that's the destruction of Lexor. Lex Luthor's adopted world. Like Krypton, Lexor is a doomed world, but unlike Krypton, which died swiftly in a massive explosion, Lexor is a world where all the inhabitants would slowly descend into medieval barbarity, until all the water was irrevocably gone, dooming whatever pitiful remnants to slow and painful deaths. Lex Luthor altered that world's fate slightly by drawing Superman there for a battle, but when given a chance to remake the world with all the honour and glory Luthor thinks he deserves, including having a family, he tosses it away out of petty vindictiveness, vindictiveness born of hatred. I'm going to draw parallels to this story to the one where Superman gets drawn back into the past, ending up on a movie set of his home planet. Superman ponders how he's going to get off the world before it's destroyed, but despite it all, he actively works to save the people of Krypton, no matter that this will change his destiny. Superman shows a sense of humility in that he's willing to give up what the future holds of being an interstellar hero if he can save his home world's people, and is rewarded by a rich, famous and talented woman falling in love with him for who he is. With the initials LL. Lyra Lerol, that, wasn't it? I think, if memory serves. Superman works tirelessly but ultimately fails as all his efforts are undone and his home planet dies. Lex Luthor, on the other hand, despite changing Lexus' fate from a slow, horrible death of dehydration, can't let go of his sense of pride. He's a hero and has a woman who loves him who gives him a child. His musings on how his bitter hatred of Superman is going to destroy him even if he can't let it go are an indication he sees glimmers of what the problem is but not enough to change. Unlike Superman, who gets a fresh start on Krypton and makes the most of it, Luther throws his chance to start over away. He's given every opportunity but squanders them through his arrogance, hatred and pride, dooming Lexo and his family to the explosive death that parallels Krypton. Superman's home world dies despite him making every effort to save it, whilst Luther's adopted world dies because he refuses to use his super mind in beneficial ways to others because he is contemptuous of normal men. Lex Luthor will always go down dark roads because he's not capable of embracing a sense of humility to change his fate. His Brilliant mind separates him from the rest of humanity, creating that sense of contempt that ultimately dooms Lexor and his family. Brainiac's a different story in that he is an artificial life form created to serve a purpose who rebelled against his creators, conquering them. His changes finally divorce him from any semblance of humanity he may once have had, making him even more frightening. The intelligent machine, murdered with an urge to survive at any cost, stripped down of the arrogance and pride his created had stamps on him because of their own arrogance and pride. I can understand why the marketing people were a little baffled Mm -hmm. by issue four hundred showing varieties of the future, where the idea of Superman and what he does to what does he mean to future generations is showcased. How do you reduce that to something simple that sounds exciting without misleading people or revealing too much about the other stories contained within? Uh, Well, you don't. You don't give anything away about the story.
1: No.
0: You market it on the hook that a it's Superman's four hundredth episode or issue. Sorry. Issue so. Issue so. Or, and you market it on the creative talent that produced the book. Mm-hmm. that's your marketing hook see Jack Kirby draw Superman and not get redrawn see Steve Ditko draw Superman see Bernie Wrightson draw Superman mm. see Will Eisner draw Superman
1: just leave it as it, see Ditko draw Superman boom instantly. instant
0: sales yeah. yeah so that's what you do not mention the story at all leave the story as a surprise see Steranko drawing Superman mm. that's how you That's how you milk it see all these people
1: uh, draw Superman in some quite bad posters some quite bad
0: posters, but some of the really good ones. Depended on your point of view, obviously.
1: From a certain point of
0: view. On to the reboot of Superman, where you have a condensed version of Clark Kent's furthest serious love in Superman 12, and sneaky Luther strikes again in Superman 10. I liked the art in both issues, but thought the stories felt rushed. I never noticed the yellow skies before you pointed them out. I hope we've not ruined it for you. Uh, Clearly Lex Luthor has been reading old Fantastic Four issues to develop his strategy of fear of the thing. I mean Superman. Of course the whole story would have fallen apart if Lex Luthor hadn't been too cheap to wreck some of his own buildings as part of the cover story. The essence of why Luthor will never be a good guy is condensed into this issue. Mm -hmm. Luthor is an egotistical, vindictive man who only cares about himself and has a base contempt for his fellow man. Everything he does is either to serve his own ego or soothe his vindictiveness. Or a combination of the two. My Little Mermaid went all dark and twisted in the last story. Ariel falls in love with a two-legged human prince, but they can never marry because her father, Neptune, will get mad and wipe out the surface world. Well, something like that. Laurie is on the surface world in a clever disguise searching college campuses for signs of where the lost city of Atlantis could possibly be, so all her people can finally return home. She meets Clark Kent when her runaway wheelchair rolls down a really steep hill. He saves her using his superpowers, and she uses her telepathy to read his mind. Can you read my mind? Should we sing it? <laughs> you can, can you read my mind? Do you know what it is you do to me? Do you want me to carry on. Yeah, it's fine. Can Thanks. you read my mind? Rob's email mind? continues. Rob's email <laughs> continues. <laughs> Professor Xavier tried this tactic thinking it would let him hook up with Kara Zor-El. But a supergirl died in crisis. He ended up at the bottom of a deep cliff and died. <laughs> I don't remember really <laughs> I don't remember that issue. Clark Kent then discovers she's a mermaid, which leads him into breaking into her home and going through all her stuff, which is not creepy at all. They part as she must continue her search for the lost city of Atlantis after realising going to college campuses to learn things not involving drinking lots of alcohol and having lots of sex is pretty pointless. Clark Kent helps her out by having lots of sex with her. No, sorry, that didn't help. Clark Kent helps her out by using his supervision to search the oceans. This leads to Laurie swearing revenge as Clark has flash fried all the people in Atlantis and all her fishy friends, including that troublesome Ronal. Oh, sorry, wrong story. They part only to meet much later in a passionate kiss where a crusty old German sailor stabs Laurie in the back with a stabby dagger. This leads Ronelle to save her life, then falling in love, Superman being all bitty about it, Laurie dying, and Superman reciting the story to a whale where it will live on forever in Whale song that Superman doesn't speak or understand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting the feeling Rob's not taking this story entirely seriously. Not really. Uh, Okay, I don't have many problems with this fishtail, except a minor quibble not involving going to college campuses looking for information. She's a mermaid, and the point of the wheelchair is to hide she's a mermaid. How did she get the wheelchair to start with? Even if you point out that maybe they recycled the wheelchair from the sea, there's still the problem of how you get it to a point where she can roll it around without slithering on the ground at some point. The second quibble is how did she pay to get her special bed made? They are mer people with no bank accounts or birth certificates or all the other things you needed, even in the 80s to function in society. Even if, say, they used gold coins or something like that, people keep track of such things. I think making the water bed was probably re- reasonably easy for mer people. Mm-hmm. Get four pieces of glass. I don't know where they would have bought those four pieces of glass. And fill it with water. Mm-hmm. Granted, I don't know how they got it into a trailer without people seeing it, but. Maybe they have
1: people on the land working for them. Possibly, that's true surreptitiously like watchers like mer-lackeys
0: <laughs> mer-lackeys I <Mer-surfs. laughs> get it surf because of okay, the watch okay. wa- <clears throat> <throat> I look forward to the next part and bring your American pal Jimmy Olsen Zzzz. I am not Jimmy Olsen thank goodness <laughs> RL <Or else> Stubbs. <laughs> why do you not want to be Jimmy Olsen is Jimmy Olsen not cool our next email is Charlie email. hello Charlie it's simply titled episode 11 volume 2 hello lovely Leylands hello lovely Charlie how the hell are you guys I certainly hope you're doing well we're doing alright we're we doing fine one of your emails asked how Clark was able to compress his clothes without his powers in Superman 296. Well, as it turns out, the Clark Kent clothes are not affected by his powers. By Silver Bronze Age continuity, when he was still a, ki- a kid, Clark created a way to chemically treat his clothes made of regular earth fabrics to not only keep his clothing from burning up from friction when you... When- using his super speed, but to also allow him to compress and fold his clothes so that he can hide them in his cape pouch without worrying about wrinkles. And believe it or not, this chemical treatment also caused all of his clothing to turn red, white and blue, which is what they used to explain why he always wore the same colour of suits in each issue of Superman or Superboy. Kind of makes you wonder how he was able to wear other coloured suits in the early 70s. In any event, due to all of this, the suit compression has nothing to do with his powers, so he could do that regardless of whether or not he had his powers or not. So... The chemical that enables him to shrink his suit also turns all his clothes red, white, and blue. Or red, yellow, and blue. hmm Suddenly, the super compression doesn't seem in any way dopey. No. <laughs> the dyeing of the clothes seems a bit silly, though.
1: N- muricogen. Oh,
0: dear. That's God. the
1: chemical element he used. Is it? That- Murricogen. <laughs>
0: The reason I'm fighting, though, is to fighting. <laughs> the real <laughs> reason I'm fighting is to... who are you fighting with, Charlie. <laughs> you seem like such a peaceable guy. He's on the run from the law. Is it <laughs> for a crime he didn't, didn't commit? commit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part of me that thinks that would be awesome. It would.
1: Wow. We're speaking to a renegade right now. We
0: are. Mm. So you think he's just moving from town to town?
1: With, with nothing but a duffel bag over with his shoulder. With nothing but a duffel
0: bag over his shoulder, yeah. Or, oh, do you think he's a soldier of fortune? Could be. Living in the Los Angeles underground. If you can find Charlie Niemeyer, <laughs> maybe you can hire him. I don't know what for. I don't know what he does. I don't know what his talent is. Charlie, can you help me plug him up the <laughs> Can you help me wire a plug, Charlie? if you have a problem with your wiring <laughs> if no one else can help and if you can find him maybe you can hire Charlie Niemeyer Why so? can you wire my clothes Charlie <laughs> I think we created a sitcom I think we created an excellent sitcom we did I'm sorry about that Charlie I do not know where that tangent came <laughs> from. oh yeah I mispronounced one of your words I said fighting instead of writing <laughs> yes. didn't I the real reason I'm writing though is to thank you guys for Happy Birthday Superman they have been great fun to listen to and I love when Superman gets the attention he deserves specifically I'd like to thank you for your look at the Bronze Age most of the time anyone looks at the Bronze Age they look at Superman 233 and then skip to the movies then they may mention Alan Moore's stories but more often than not they just move on to talk about the John Byrne prose Crisis Reboot Reboot I cannot speak need to put my teeth in make sure they're all aligned properly Screw them up a bit. Some people have
1: a way with words. Some words people have just not way. can't.
0: <laughs> so the fact that you spent an episode and a half looking at this era is awesome. So thank you. Keep up the good work, Charlie. You're very welcome. I loved looking at the Bronze Edge. I think there's some very underrated stories in the Bronze Edge. So I did enjoy reading them. And we're glad you enjoyed listening to them. Our next email is very quickly from David Bland. It says, sure, you can stay here. If you do happen to come to Bristol for whatever reason, then yes, you can stay, says David. Don't worry, this won't turn out like this movie Misery. Maybe. There you go. We can stay in Bristol, Massachusetts. Okay. Was it Massachusetts you left?
1: Really. But I did hear that the spirit of Massachusetts is the spirit of America. Is it? Yes. <laughs> did you hear that on Family
0: Guy? <laughs> I could have. Uh, And finally tonight, we'll do one last email. We've got a couple more, but we'll knock them on the head for next week. It's from the mighty Chris McGee. The they all mighty? Yes, everyone is mighty. Okay. We have done the impossible, and that makes us mighty. Okay. The world would be so much better if everyone was mighty. The world would be so much better if we just quoted Firefly all the time. Hello, Leylands. Hello, Chris. I have just enjoyed another edition of Hey Kids Comics. Good, we're glad you enjoyed it. This one especially appealed to me because the Dark Knight over Metropolis storyline has always been among my favourites of this era of Superman. I must confess I was a bit fooled into believing the shadowy figure at the beginning of part one was indeed the Batman. It did seem to be a bit of a cheat, but since the story was compelling, the artwork fantastic, I didn't hold that against Jerry Ardway, since this was definitely the strongest of the three parts. Totally agree with that. The whole storyline was enjoyable with only one exception. Batman making Superman look like a chump in his own comic. Is it just me or did Batman seem to be at least one step ahead of Superman at every turn? I think that's a criticism that can be levelled at Batman pretty much since 1989 or so. Mm. That he's always at least three steps ahead of everyone, isn't he? Example number one, continues Chris. Him showing Superman that he knows his identity by leaving a little back note in Adventures page two. Example number two, page twelve of Adventures. Batman tells Superman, you want information? We do it my way. Example number three, page one, which was actually the second page, but numbered page one. Of action don't tell me you're confused as well. Of action comics. Superman tells Batman, I don't really need your help. Batman responds, No. gang continues to operate in the city despite your efforts. I'd say you need all the help you can get. Superman then smacked him about the face for being snarky. <laughs> (laughs) Chris didn't actually write that, I just made that up. Keep in mind, this is coming from the protector of the crime-infested Gotham City, who, despite his best efforts, Batman can't stop the Joker, Two-Face, Penguin, Briddler, etc. etc. Example number four, page 14 of Action, Batman is able to slip away from the fight without being noticed, surprising, even Superman. Example number five, page 16 in Action, it's Batman who finds the diary with Amanda recording Superman's identity. Example number six, page 19 of Action, Batman reveals he had the ring all along. Superman says, you have me at a disadvantage. Batman responds... I know. The last example really highlights my point. All throughout the story, Batman is the one taking the initiative in everything with Superman reacting. Don't get me wrong, as I stated at the outset, I enjoyed the story and had fun rereading it. I just find it odd that Superman's writers and editors would seem to keep giving Batman the upper hand at every turn. So tell me, Leylands, am I imagining things? Am I reading too much into this? Or is Batman simply so awesome that he just overwhelms even Superman in his own comic? I don't think you're imagining it. No. I think that's quite a valid, a valid point. I don't think you're reading too much into it I think that Batman has been three steps ahead of everyone since oh, about 1990 or so uh, um, Batman is Batman simply so awesome he overwhelms Superman in his own car? Well, of course he does <laughs> he's Batman so he overwhelms everybody doesn't he
1: mm-hmm. That's just the way of... knock out Superman with a good old punch. He could. He could, he could as we
0: all moved. know, in a Batman-Superman conflict, Batman would win. Of course. Wouldn't he? It makes so much sense. It, it makes perfect sense that Batman <laughs> would win. Well, it does, because...
1: Does it really? Yeah, because, let's remember, Batman's more realistic than Superman. Mm.
0: Batman is totally more realistic than <laughs> Superman. Yours truly, Christopher McGee. Uh, thank you very much Christopher for emailing in in fact thank you to everyone who emailed in this week thank you to the people who emailed in twice this week obviously we have our little rule that we don't read emails from the same person Mm -hmm. two different emails from the same person in one show so those two emails will wait until next time Uh, we will take a quick break we're just over the 30 minute mark and we will look at today's comic books Hey Kids Comics becomes a Batman podcast again Troika! You keep saying
1: that. Is that is that you, like your Br-
0: battle cry? It's a muck time. Oh. Troika! To says it, when she stops a fight. Okay. We're back in a minute.
1: The dawn of an age. The founding of a family.
0: You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've
1: got to take that chance.
0: Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning
1: up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive.
0: I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happening to you. You are... Angel. Oh Reed, not you too! What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly!
1: We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so
0: was born the Fantastic Four.
1: Or soon the mole man will have the entire world
0: in his power! I am the mightiest
1: living mortal on Earth. And now mankind shall heal that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're the palms in the hands of Dr. Doom.
0: The human torch will be the puppet master's next victim. You (laughs) earthlings can't change the way I can. That means I'm the most powerful person on
1: earth. I've been expecting you, for I am the thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the fantastic power is no more and the planet Earth is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ramatant, King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Suns. You're just a muscular freak, blind or Hulk! Stop! You must not end on the castle of Diablo. My, My journey is ended. This planet shall sustain until it has drained of drain all elemental, elemental life. So be delighted. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four, from the very beginning, witnessed the origins of a legend. The Fantastic Forecast ffcast.libsyn.com
0: and we're back and we are indeed back back to normal not spending four and a half hours talking about not that there's anything wrong with that no. But uh, I thought when you're on that, a tight schedule I thought perhaps we were getting a little bit self-indulgent with the length of those episodes so let's try and bring these one back in and so we've become a Batman podcast again once again once again, with the conclusion of the overarching Night trilogy, which comprised Nightfall, Night's Quest. Night's End, the Batman family of titles continued into the mid-1990s with crossovers and expanded storylines as Batman's popularity continued to grow and for the first time since their creation he started to emerge as DC's flagship character instead of Superman. Whilst Nightfall can be deemed a highly successful storyline in terms of both commercial sales and critical acclaim, it was not without its problems. Firstly, the entire Nightfall story arc does rather depend upon Bruce Wayne being a bit myopic and rather dense in many places. Second, the Knight's Quest portion of the story went on a little too long whilst conversely Knight's End felt rushed despite having four issues that were oversized. It's safe to assume that Nightfall wouldn't have happened without the death of Superman, a crossover that busted sales records across the world, but Batman wasn't really in need of a sales boost. The 89 movie had escalated the Dark Knight's popularity to such a degree, he became largely ubiquitous in the 90s, with more comics added to his roster, Shadow of the Bat and Legends of the Dark Knight, as well as an expanded number of books featuring people from the Batman family, such as Catwoman, Robin and Nightwing. In addition, prestige format books, limited series and crossovers kept Batman in the Spotlight more than ever before, and arguably, this popularity has continued unabated to this day. Zero Hour interrupted the Bat Books, but the Knights trilogy was followed by Prodigal, in which Dick Grayson took over being Batman whilst Bruce readied himself to take back the Knight by popping around Gotham and, as we would find out in No Man's Land, making little mini Bat Caves all around the town. He emerged at the end of Prodigal with a redesigned costume and a purpose that would lead into the final part of an extended narrative that has been running since the Sword of Azrael miniseries in 1992, making this a three-year-long storyline crossing many different times. Troika, Russian for three, started in Batman 515, and all the comics tonight are cover dated February 1995. This one was on sale December 13th, 1994. It came out in two covers, a cardstock embossed thing with Batman looking all mean and moody by Kelly Jones and Terry Austin, and the more traditional newsstand cover of Batman Leaping on a Man by Kelly Jones. For some reason, I've mixed and matched having two card covers and two newsstand covers for this four-issue storyline. Why? No idea. Mm. Not gonna clue. Who knows? Maybe I bought what was available. Maybe I didn't like the cardstock Batman cover. I have no memory of what went into the decision making in buying these particular comics. Although when pictured online, the variant covers do look like mud. They're all the same as well. Yeah, they're all Batman standing like. Well, I would argue the Robin ones different because it's got rock on it. But Batman's still
1: in the same pose.
0: Yes, Batman's not moved. No, he isn't in any of them. It's the same. It's the same pose in all of them, pretty much. So maybe I just thought the new stand covers were more interesting. Well,
1: you know the new stand one, eh? Yeah. You know the guy he's jumping on? Yeah. He looks a lot like the guy in the Iron Giant. Does he? He does. Superman! See, you might not think that, but if you looked him up now and compare the two, you look very similar. The
0: guy who's voiced by Crystal McDonald? Could be. Okay. Oh,
1: the, oh, the, the, the guy with the Turtleneck.
0: Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troika, part one, Dark Rider, Cold Warrior, was written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Kelly Jones, and inked by John Beatty. Adrian Roy, colored. Todd Klein, lettered. Jordan B. Garfinkel was the assistant editor, and Danny O'Neill was the editor. The Batman is credited as being created by Bob Kane. Picking up the plod threads... Pl- plod? Picking up plod. Plod threads. Plod threads. Picking up the plot, Thread's left dangling in Prodigal. The Troika of Colonel Vega, the KG Beast, and Romana, all former Soviets, meet with the Dark Rider who wants nothing less than the destruction of Gotham, and then all of the decadent United States. KG Beast. Yeah. <laughs> the Troika are only interesting in being paid, however, and Dark Rider storms off believing they too have been corrupted by the West. Dark Rider pops some pills and shows off his wonderful collection of scabs as he vows vengeance on America for bringing the USSR to its knees and then Batman for preventing him from bringing death to Gotham. Back at the cave, Batman poses intensely while he tells Dick and Tim about not being as intense and the plot exposition news network blows throughout the Batcave at a most precipitous time, informing Batman of the problems in Little Odessa with Russian gangs and allowing Tim to bring readers up to speed about the goings-on in his own book concerning his girlfriend Ariana's family being targeted by the Troika. A phone call from Lucius Fox tells Bruce about said Russian gangs leaning on Wayne Enterprises and informs him that perhaps he should take the threat seriously. Batman visits Commissioner Gordon, and they manage to piece together that Dark Rider is A, free, and 2, in Gotham, and C, still has access to a small nuclear device. They leap to the conclusion that he also may be a member of the Troika, and he is dying of radiation sickness due to the exposure to the plutonium. Dark Rider, meanwhile, talks to himself and disses baseball, because if there's any kind of show shorthand that says Communist! More than dissing baseball, I don't know what it is. The Troika also elect to take out the Dark Rider, as he is now too unpredictable, with his place being formally offered to the KG Beast. If Batman had stayed at home, they would have taken Dark Rider out for him. Anyway, he doesn't, and he and Robin see a man about to grenade Ariana's family shop, where after a brief it the perp gives up where the Dark Rider is. They arrive in time to see save Dark Rider from an assassination attempt and after an intense fight from the man who vows to be less intense, Dark Rider's radiation sickness takes him out for Batman but not before he reveals that the Troika have a nuclear device and if Batman had stayed out of it, he would have assassinated Colonel Vega for them. So for the upshot of this story it seems to be if Batman had just stayed at home, mm. everything would have sorted itself out. Batman would have stayed looking intense. Uh, the cover, as Michael's mentioned, because we didn't mention it earlier on, has Batman falling on top of a, a ma- guy's face. Yeah. And it's signed to you-know-who. I presume we're supposed to you-know-who that that's Kelly Jones, given that the leg is just bizarre. and Both his arms are the same
1: length, despite them being on opposite side of his body. And his forearms are thicker than his thighs. Yeah. Kelly Jones is back, ladies and gentlemen. But he's not. One of my complaints for this art was it was Kelly Jones, but it didn't feel like Kelly Jones
0: enough did he not no see I liked some of this and did. I had the same re- reaction I always have to Kelly Jones mm. I like some of it I don't like some of it but with it being Kelly
1: Jones I wanted to be Kelly Jones and this wasn't he just felt like he wasn't all the maybe it's
0: the inker No, it's the inking in this one could be could be the inker more than the penciler mm. uh, page one dark rider must surely realise the writing is in the wall he can't be in a gang named Troika when there are four members Did have to change the name does he not realise branding is everything what, what would they change the name to well if there's four of them they'd have to become quartet or Isn't whatever the Russian for four was is you
1: say, how, how much have you done your research I've, into I've this? not researched
0: what is Russian for four I presume it is four <laughs> but with a it's of us four I kept it yeah, but no, pa- no, maybe not. No, no, I don't think that would work. With the backwards R. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I like the backwards R idea because that's how they spell Troika <laughs> on the first page with the backwards if Russian.
1: Russian like a, backwards a backwards R. Nothing says Russian Russia like a backwards R. Yes. I do like that Batman by the street lamp.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like that a great deal. The story. Um, obviously plays into the fall of the Soviet Union under Gorbachev's reign. Uh, the Communist Party was dissolved in 1989 and the USSR was officially named a Commonwealth in 1991. 19- the story plays into the idea that a number of Soviet citizens and former military, disillusioned by the collapse of their country, became soldiers of fortune or revolutionaries. As Michael has pointed out, the first page, the first panel of page one is just Batman standing all mean and moodily near a lampshed. Because that's what he does... But it's an excellent first panel. He sings in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> He's totally doing singing in the rain now. <laughs> yep. This is him not being as intense. I'm <laughs> yeah. singing in the rain. Ah,
1: uh, just <laughs> singing in the rain. Where's the Joker? With his bat umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he think he has bat wellies? <laughs> bat
0: wellies and a bat brawling and a bat mask. <laughs> I would totally buy a Batman. <laughs> I don't know, that would be awesome. Bat galoshes. Uh, page two. Batman defeated the Dark Rider previously. Batman three hundred and ninety-four from April nineteen eighty-six. Perhaps meaning zero-hour reinstated some pre-crisis continuity, because mm-hmm. that was pre the Crisis on Infinite Earths. And this explains his obsession with the Dark Knight. Why do all these criminals though think destroying Gotham is the place to start world domination? Does that ever make any sense to you? Because
1: Gotham is a, a critical, a key city in America, apparently.
0: I thought it was a dung heap. Yeah. I don't understand why it's so fascinating to bringing down Gotham.
1: Metropolis would make more
0: sense. Metropolis would make a lot more sense. And then what
1: would you do in a Batman comic? That's a valid point. Superman, yeah. I need to read your town again to stop these crooks. Well, why can't I do it? Because it's <laughs> my book, damn it!
0: <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Uh, page three is odd. It relives the cliffhanger from the last part of Prodigal, but then goes straight back to the Dark Rider on page four, before going back to Batman on page five. Reading this, I thought that was incredibly jarring. Mm. And it made me think this would have flowed much better if it had been left out, if they just hadn't bothered with page three at all. Because it's, it's superfluous, isn't it? Mm. It's just a re- reheat of um, the last page of Prodigal.
1: Well, it, it is a lot retelling, but I, I don't remember it looking this Kelly jones Well, Kelly Jones didn't draw it.
0: Well, yeah. There's an awful lot of bats in this bat It's
1: sitting in tents on a rock, a, tri- a tri-rock. Yeah. Because it's got three little stumps. Jones does put Batman in some ridiculous poses. It looks like a crow as well. <laughs> the way he draws his nose, it's like a
0: beak. It is, it does look like a beak, and his ears are huge. Crow, man. Does that work? Knight no. of the Crows? don't know instead of nice of the Owls. He's reading someone else's
1: trademark there a little. Yeah, I suppose so. Can't read all the time. The crow and robin. That'd work.
0: Because That's a good team-up. The hmm? um, birdie bunch. Oh, the birdie <laughs> bunch. That works as well. <laughs> uh, I was going to make a gag about them transposing the pages around, but you were funnier. So, no, don't be sorry. Though. That was funnier. I liked it much better. Uh, page four. It seems very coincidental that the data rider should, of all the places he could live, be next to Ariana.
1: Hmm.
0: I thought he was very coincidentally chose to live in Gotham for a start. Well, he's got a reason for being in Gotham. He doesn't like Batman. I don't get how blowing up Gotham will destroy America, but... Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll go with it for the purposes of the plot, but that didn't make any sense to me. But I don't mind him being in in Gotham to get his own back on Batman. That Mm. makes sense. But targeting Gotham just... Don't get it to be honest with you. America seemed to function quite well when Gotham was cut off in no man's land. Yeah. So I can't imagine losing Gotham City would bother them in any way. Mm. It's a dung heap, as we've mentioned before.
1: Um, for going on from page 5 onwards yeah, I thought it was quite funny reading it where it looks like Batman slides and dances the way he's drawn it
0: does. I've, I think I've got the same note somewhere else as well Kelly Jones basically draws Batman as if he glides everywhere yeah. and even when he's standing still talking to Robin and Commissioner Gordon later on he's doing an, attempt- he's, he's, he's an interpretive <laughs> dance isn't he every time in, in every panel he's, he's either crouching behind his cape or he's doing something funny with his hands like he's, he's doing a funny glove puppet thing. Or he's doing shadows on the wall. What's this, Robin? What's this? That 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 is this like a Rorschach test, Batman? What's that? That's the gun that killed your parents. That's right. What's this shape? That would that be crime alley? That's correct. What's this? Is that your mum's pearl necklace in all that blood? Yes. Batman, you need to see a psychiatrist. still the way he moves as well, like yeah. dancing. It does look like he just dances everywhere. And then this does... is one of the changes he's made now. <laughs> he's been studying ballet while yeah. he's been away. <laughs> oh dear God. Dark Rider also keeps tossing a baseball signed by <laughs> Babe Ruth as if it was in some way significant. Mm. I wonder why that would be. Uh, page six once again the writer's obsession with the fact that Dick Grayson can do laundry Mm -hmm. is mentioned Uh, at the top of the page when um, Batman's talking about um, as Batman you tend to scorn human limitations which makes the job way too intense for me and Batman says for anyone I should try some human limitations for a change and Dick uh, it's not Dick is it it's Tim Mm. says well for starters you'll have to do your own cooking and laundry (laughs) and you're like did you know that Dick Grayson could do his own laundry?
1: I think he could, actually. I, I, thought, I thought he could make his own tofu as well. Who
0: knew that he was so talented? You've never made such a big deal out of that. They've never made such a big deal of it, no. No. And continue to do so for some reason that I don't understand. Uh, essentially, what we get here is three pages of plot exposition and catch up it's not handled particularly badly despite an appearance from the uh, Expositional News Network
1: and Batman doing a dance as he passes the throne to, yeah, the phone to he Nightwing doesn't, he, loves,
0: he doesn't just pass the phone to Nightwing he throws, he throws it throws at him. At him Elaborate and then dance. poses <laughs> doesn't he? He holds his hand out and poses he like turns towards the camera and does Blue Steel Bat-Louis Spence. (laughs) Oh, God, no. Please, no. I don't want Louis Spence in my Batman (laughs) comics. That would just be wrong. Uh, Pages 9 and 10. Gordon and Batman seem to be on decent terms here, considering all that happened. The schism in their relationship would be explored in greater detail in No Man's Land. I like the art in these pages. Uh, He is is a very stylized artist. Mm. Kelly Jones.
1: But there's some more of it on the next page. Where he's um,
0: remembering yeah but the stuff with Commissioner Gordon is all perfectly normal mm. Gordon's not got exaggerated anatomy and the bit in the middle of, of page 9 where he's rubbing his eyes because Batman's just woke him all up all the creases yeah so miracles. he's that's why I have this bizarre relationship with him the guy can obviously draw mm. and there are panels like that where Gordon's asleep on the settee is a great panel Everything looked proper, and then you've got Batman just in stupid pauses. <laughs> it's like have you ever seen that Family Guy with William Shatner in it? <laughs> yeah. It's exactly like that, isn't it? Mm. God, you deserve an <laughs> explanation. You're interrupting my sleep. <laughs> i got in your office. I will pose and point and
1: hide behind my cape in a manly way. I realise that our listeners can't see you props about the room right oh, now. I know, but they are getting the idea. <laughs> yes,
0: from the and it's just it's just a bit daft, He's isn't even it? Even
1: got his pouty lip in the bottom panel. Yeah, and it's.
0: It's, it's it's just a bit strange it's a very strange artistic choice mm. um, I can't see it being difficult tracking down the Troika to be honest with you um, in addition to the KG Beast being rather conspicuous mm. Romana has a huge red star tattooed on her head yeah can't imagine that being hard to find
1: you know it doesn't exactly scream
0: Russian no well and if maybe she was a wig I don't know um, page 14 Ariana is really pretty on this page
1: Mm, I thought that was a, a good um, panel.
0: Yeah, so again... I thought
1: that was a good page. I actually like that one. Kelly Jones.
0: Well, the guy jumping through the window of Ariana's bedroom and Tim looking at her and then realising that, wait a minute, I can't actually let it, yeah. let it be known that I know who she is. I quite liked that. Yeah, there was some good teen angst on this page mm. from Tim. Very very Peter Parker-esque. <laughs> yeah. Oh, would betide. Yeah. I just noticed on that last page he gave Batman
1: um, birds' feet as hands. <laughs>
0: Oh God! Yeah, he did, uh, didn't he? That's weird. Uh, page sixteen, I thought was excellent. Jones's art is moody and evocative. As the gunmen try to kill the Dart Rider, the facial expressions on these guys are fantastic. Especially panel four, where the gunman looks up at his own head as blood runs down his face, and it takes a minute for the reader to realize that Dart Rider has just shot him through the top of the head. Mm which was really well done I like his eyes through his glasses yeah as he realises it as they just start popping out of his head and rolling no, back no it's just, no, just like his, his eyes are drawn on his glasses it's brilliant it's excellently well done the final panel of page 16 is extremely noir where the dark rider just shoots the second gunman through the mouth hmm. and the back of his head is falling off panel so we've not got a gratuitous gore shot of his brains being splattered all over the wall. The D.O.D.C. moment. Yeah, so I thought that was really well handled. The lighting and the colouring on that panel alone is almost worth the price of admission. That's brilliant. Has, Has Kelly Jones never done any Detective Noir stuff? I've no idea. Likewise, page 17... The upshot of Batman and Robin leaping across the buildings as if from the point of the view of the man in the street is also excellent. The clouds and the moon peeping through really sell the illusion of depth and height. Except for... It's... Batman's slight... cape's like a bird. Yeah, Batman's cape's like a bird and the final panel of that same page. What the hell is... He looks like he's wearing one of those big furry coats mm. made out of birds that Liberati would wear.
1: Well, it's like Kelly Jones just turned him into
0: Birdman yeah. for this issue. it's not... That's not Batman's cape, is it? No. It's, and this is this is the same all the way through for every panel that I think is absolutely magnificent. There's one where I'm like, oh God, that's ugly, Mm. and it's it's so strange to be so vacillating within the same page. Yeah. Read alone on the same comic. Um, I've never got Chandra, says Batman, and I never will. (laughs) Yeah, right. How long's that going to last?
1: past this issue never never mentioned mentioned mentioned. again
0: Uh, the three page fight scene from pages 19 through 21 is likewise excellent exceptionally well choreographed and laid out Batman's punch to the Dark Rider's gut on the final panel of page 19 Mm. and his kick to the Dark Rider's face on the final panel of page 20 yeah they're standouts Mm. I love that because this fight feels brutal again without people losing teeth and without there being blood all over the place, you feel every punch that Kelly Jones draws. It's exceptionally good. Um, the issue marks the debut of Kelly Jones on interior art as well as just the covers.
1: He's done it before.
0: I don't think he's done interior art on the regular Batman boot before. I think he's only ever done the covers, hasn't he? At no. this point.
1: During Knight's Quest, he did one or two.
0: Did he? Mm. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Um, he'd continue as the regular artist on the boot from this point, though, for a while. And continues to be divisive. I can't, I can't decide if I like it ever. His exaggerated anatomy is no worse than many other artists of this era, McFarlane and Liffield et al. It's quite clear that unlike some of the less popular image-inspired artists like Dan Vado or Chris Mariner, he does have an excellent grasp of human anatomy, and he chooses... ...to be deliberately stylized for artistic purposes... ...instead of just being a, a bad artist. And there are some excellent panels in this story. I like the panel on the first page where Batman just stands there... ...with his cape drained around him in the streetlight that Michael liked... ...and I like the fight scene at the end... ...which is really well done with certain panels making you feel the impact. And he does make excellent use of blacks. However, he constantly has Batman making gurning poses making it look like he's a small child who can't stay still because he needs the toilet. And sometimes the anatomy stuff makes no sense, like on the cover, where Batman's legs and arms look far too long. I still can't say I dislike it, because it's very striking, in the same way that Sinkovich is. But there are panels or covers where I look at it and just think, ew. Story-wise, Mench does a good job of writing a chapter of an overall story arc and still making this satisfying. This must have been quite frustrating for the writers of this era and Mench does use some shortcuts to facilitate pace. Whilst I can believe Batman may have a police band on in the cave I doubt he listens to regular radio. So the plot exposition of the news network felt a bit forced. Batman and Gordon's deduction of Dark Rider also seemed very 60s TV show. He must be in Troika. Uh, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but i told I quite enjoyed that issue. Did you like it? Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. I quite enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed reading this entire storyline, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, Troika Part 2 was published in Shadow of the Bat 35, which came out on December 20th, 1994. My copy is the enhanced variant by Barry Kitson and Terry Austin that still looks like mud. The regular cover by Brian Stelfreeze was much better, showing Batman throwing a batarang or two into the night, one of which is in front of the low-hung moon, making it look like the bat signal. You can see it on the inside front cover.
1: Mm. How do you like the um the background on this cover?
0: On oh, the Freeze one.
1: No, um the Barry Kitson one. Just the background.
0: Oh yeah, is it a photo, do you think? No, it looks drawn. A rotoscoped photo, possibly. It could be. It does it is very good. Of all of the the enhanced covers, this is the best one I think. But maybe that's why I bought that one. Maybe I just liked that one because we do like Barry Kitson, don't we? Yeah, we're very fond of Barry Kitson. Troika Part 2 was written by Alan Grant, with by Barry Kitson and and Ray McCarthy. Adrian Roy coloured it again. John Costanza lettered. Uh, John B. Gorfinkel was still the assistant editor and Danny O'Neill was the editor. There was no additional subtitle. It was just called Troika Part 2. William Shatner's stirring at me. Oh, (laughs) because it's an advert for Tet War. I thought it was Trek War at first. I was like... Yeah, I think that's Um, what you were supposed to think. Yeah, there's
1: certainly... um for the character here.
0: For a guy who spent his entire life trying to tell us that we should get a life for liking Star Trek he's certainly gone out of his way to be associated with it if yeah. it'll make him money hasn't he? The Dark Rider tells Batman about Vega being corrupted by money and women and says that Babe Ruth will destroy the city. I wonder what he's hinting at. Hmm... Leaving him to the cops, Batman tells Robin to go and check on Ariana while he patrols the night. He stops a few minor crimes, but his few contacts in the Russian underground yield no results on the Troika. For their part, the Troika are equally concerned that Dark Rider had a nuke. What could they do with such a weapon? They need to find it, and then they could blackmail all of Gotham. Unbeknownst to them, Rider has planted it in their midst. That night, Robin tells Batman of a new vigilante in town, but Batman's priorities must be the nuclear device. He tracks Vega down to a low, but Vega is waiting for him. He knew Dark Rider would talk, giving Batman just enough information, and he is prepared. Using his cyber helmet, Vega bombards Batman with subliminal sound, altering his visual perceptions, and uses microwave transmissions to cause nausea and pain. He has a number of goons likewise helmeted to protect them from the bombardment, attacking Batman. Batman is quickly overcome but when he gets too close to Vega he kicks the doodad Vega is using to cause all of this out of his hands and Batman makes short work of the hired goons when his senses are returned to him. Vega makes a break but outside of the building he's shot once in the head. Batman loses the killer but after searching Vega's body finds a business card for Lucius Fox. Um, pages one and two picks up where we left off, with Dark Rider telling Batman about Vega and dropping subtle hints about Babe Ruth destroying the city. I told you that baseball would be significant, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Uh, this page was also quite good in that, in the initial reading, I thought the bomb had gone off. Yeah. I thought that was quite good. Or it's just him imagining Yeah, that. yeah it's, it's all in Dark Rider's imaginations, presumably as he's dying. Mm. He imagines that there's a nuclear bomb going because off because the, the explosion it? represents his dying moment yeah that'll work mm. I'm totally down with that <laughs> that works um, Kitson's a great artist but his dark rider just looked like he has acne rather than radiation poisoning yeah Kelly Jones's looks a lot more grotesque mm. it's nice to see Batman looking normal again though yeah after the the Kelly Jones issue that like the top panel with Batman's cape
1: looks all jagged and edgy
0: On and not like the feathered coat yeah. Made of eagles that carry uh, kits. Still um, got the pointy Kelly shoulders, Jones. though. Yeah, we don't like the pointy shoulders because where do the pointy shoulders go on page three? Yeah, they're just not there anymore. Are they they mm. just disappear. Um, but that's a great shot of Batman and Robin swinging away though mm-hmm. over the city. It's kind of like the the opposite of the Kelly Jones panel. You're looking down on Batman and Robin, and so all the the, the streets and the the buildings are behind them. A very vertigo inspired panel. Page four, Sarah Essen. Gordon's wife shows up to remind us of the marital strife subplot.
1: Yeah, and I noticed that. Just three panels and it's forgotten until yeah. later on in the story. That would uh, well, that
0: would carry on over into No Man's Land. Yeah. So that would go on for quite a while. Uh, page five is an excellent splash page of Batman taking out some goons. The requisite suspension of disbelief is required as Batman seems to be dropping in from nowhere. There is nothing at all for his bat grapple to be attached to or even a building he can have dropped from at this angle but damn if it doesn't look cool mm, maybe it was
1: well there's a building to the well his right so maybe he swung around you think could of. he's Batman
0: alright we'll no prize that for you I'll accept that because the art's just so good on it mm. I love that Batman's all in blue and black as well so you can't actually see him which is, is really good Pages six and seven were a lovely little character beat. On the one hand, Batman is made up; the crims give up without a fight, and are now just terrified of it. On the other, it's a reminder of how ruthless Jean Paul was as Batman. This plays out with the minimal of dialogue, but Grant conjures up exactly how Batman is feeling in one caption box. Mm, I liked it. We use it to
1: his advantage.
0: Yeah. In the, he doesn't do anything, he doesn't say anything, mm. he just stands in front of them.
1: Well, there was a bit in Batman and Son where the other Batman shoots Joke in the face, and Tim's like, But you do know everyone thinks Batman shot the Joke in the face, and Bruce just goes, Good, let's leave it that way. <laughs> and just leave it there. I can't imagine Batman not wanting to find the guy that did it, though. Oh, he did, he, <sighs> he died. Thanks. Good. Spoilers. It's like in the first four pages.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Page eight. Commissioner Gordon, Sir Essence's husband, shows up to remind us of the marital strife subplot.
1: You've already said this.
0: Alright. right. Comedy. (laughs) Because if I have to explain that it was comedy, it probably wasn't comedy, was it? it. (laughs) Yeah. Pages nine and ten I thought were really funny. Vega winding up the KG Beast mm. and Romana with a threat that he's drugged them and then collapsing hysterically in laughter that he's winding them up I thought it was really funny he's the only one of the three of them that's got a sense of humour isn't he the yeah. other two are dull as dirt I can I, I don't know what it is about KG Beast I think it's his stupid name I like the name that I can never I can never take him seriously as a villain and especially seen as the fact that in this story he just looks like a knock off version of Bane
1: I like it it's not quite Beast and it's not quite KGB
0: it's it's no it's 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 the 60s name isn't it somebody in the 60s TV show would have had that name um page 11 as we mentioned only Colonel Vegas seems to have a sense of humour and then you realise that of course the KGB has no sense of humour he calls himself the KGB and takes himself seriously Mm. how could you take yourself seriously with the name KGB come on it must at least make you smile in the morning when you're on your own (laughs) I am called KG Beast. That is very funny. Okay, ah, okay, ah, ah. And I've had some vodka. <laughs> get drunk a- and completely <laughs> forget his name is the KG Beast. And then wake up the next morning and go, I <laughs> am the KG Beast. That is very funny. I've had some vodka. <laughs> and that- the, the cycle continues.
1: Yeah, until one day we Rick Spin goes, why, why is my eye missing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, page 12, comedy beat. Apparently Bruce can analyse a person from his gait aftershave and the scuffs on his shoes but he can't use a washing machine uh, ha, ha, ha. he should have kept Dick Grayson around because he was good at laundry apparently he was mm-hmm. I quite like this didn't it made sense I, no I don't buy this I don't buy Bruce Wayne doesn't know how to turn a washing machine on well I wouldn't
1: off. say he's this useless but he's the millionaire playboy who gets Alfred to do everything for him this is Alfred's job he's doing
0: using the washing machine yeah All right, fair enough I mean it was funny hmm. I did smile at it But they do seem to be making a big deal out of doing the laundry. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Whatever. Because did you know these guys can do laundry?
0: Apparently. Um, I don't understand why Batman hasn't told Gordon about the nuke. Hmm. Surely with that level of threat, getting the cops involved would be useful. And maybe evacuating the city. I know there would be a panic. But surely getting people out would be a priority. I mean, he knows about Colonel Vega. And he knows Colonel Vega potentially has one. A nuke. But Gordon doesn't seem particularly bothered about it, does he? Not really. It's like, you are sorted
1: out. There's like six of you at this Yeah, time.
0: it's not like he's buggered off to the myrrh and said, we may have a little bit of a problem. Hmm. Which I, I didn't quite understand that. Uh, page 16, though, is some glorious Barry Kitson artwork. Particularly the shot of Batman disappearing into the skylight, where he's all covered black apart from the yellow of his belt and the, the oval of his bat does he have a yellow oval in this one yeah he does mm. Mm, weird. Uh, and, but the cape is light blue on the inside which I thought was a nice touch and then the final panel of the page of Batman doing his crouchy gargoyle thing yeah. with his cape all wrapped around him it's, it, see, that's an iconic image you never get bored of mm. when it's done properly Unlike red eyes, unlike the red eyes, the red eyes of cliche. Yeah, uh, the fight scene on pages seventeen through twenty isn't as brutal as Kelly Jones'. Whilst Kitson's cleaner art style appeals to me more than Jones's, the fight in the last issue was brutal and intense and made me feel every punch without being excessively violent. This is a very comic book fight scene. Whilst the captions are very good at telling me what Batman is feeling, the art doesn't convey that this is really any threat. In fact, I think the art makes it look like Batman plays Possum to get himself closer to Vega, whereas the words in the captions tell me Batman is actually beaten. Mm. I honestly think it works better if you follow the art and that Batman planned it all. Because yeah. it does make it seem like he, he defeats Colonel Vega through dumb luck which I can buy every now and again, but in this instance, it, it just seemed to make more sense to me that Batman played Possum to get close to him, which is what the art implies. Mm-hmm. Uh, page twenty-three, twenty-two. in fact, Batman gets out of this far too easily, to be honest. Vega didn't need the thugs to bring Bra- Batman to him. His doodad would have worked from wherever in the room he was, and his overconfidence brings him down, which is a storytelling device we've seen far too many times. I actually prefer the idea Batman faked the first fight to deliberately get to Vega instead of it all being luck, as I said. But the second fight, scene, whilst again lacking the brutality of Jones's work, is well handled. And it all being done in mostly silent panels is very effective. And then Vega walks out and gets shot in the head.
1: It's a good panel.
0: Yeah, it's a good ending. Because it was one of those, All oh, right. I didn't see that coming mm-hmm. moments. Uh, altogether this was a satisfactory issue that continues the plot laid down in Batman and furthers it ever so slightly there are a lot more splash pages and multiple silent fight scenes in this issue and that makes it feel more than a little padded and this was a very quick read even doing the notes for this issue it took much less than the usual hour Alan Grant is always better when this title is allowed to branch off and do short little psychological stories exploring Batman, his rogues and his allies. And Grant excels at that kind of story. He seems a little lost here, writing the middle part of a story he perhaps has no interest in. And the final result is a little lacklustre from a writer of his calibre. The art is great, with the caveats I mentioned before, with Kitson, who's a very good artist. Um, As part of the overall Troika arc, this is entertaining, but not very much happens. Um... Adverts, there's not really very many interesting adverts. We've mentioned William Shatner and Greg Evergan, one of my two dads, is uh, plugging War the series. The Brave and the Bold. The Brave and the Bold. Yes, Lobo meets Deadman, which was another one of the many, many Lobo comics that was coming out. Catwoman's getting married in her costume.
1: I don't think she's getting
0: married, to No, she doesn't look like she's getting married by Chuck Dixon, so oh, that may is. actually be interesting. And, um of the, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, the movie came out, which me and your mum went to watching at the cinema. Was it bad? The Tales from the Crypt films were alright. Okay. Never terrible, but,
1: you know. Well, the Tales from the Crypt was quite good. Yeah. There was one with the three little pigs, which I liked. Not three little, yeah. The, yeah. yeah, the
0: three little pigs. I remember that one. Because they did a couple of them over here, so you've got a couple of episodes, like one episode you and McGregor's in, mm. and no, Julia Soal has in one, and... That was weird, watching Tales from the Crypt and all these British actors showing yeah. up. That was very strange. <clears throat> Troika Part 3 was in Detective Comics 682, which came out on December 27th, 1994. The muddy, enhanced cover was by Graham Nolan and Terry Austin, whilst the regular cover was by Graham Nolan and Scott Hannah. It depicts Robin taking on the KG Beast as Gotham Burns. I like this one. Yeah, it's good. The newsstand covers were more visually interesting. Mm. Than the uh, the muddy ones. The Doomsday Clock was written by Chuck Dixon, pencilled by Graham Nolan, and inked by Scott Hallard. And if you didn't know it from the credits, you knew it from all the little Easter
1: eggs hidden throughout the history. Oh,
0: all the Graham Nolan stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Roy coloured John Costanza Letter. Dad and Vincenzo was the associate editor. Scott Peterson was the editor. Why did Danny O'Neill not edit Detective Comics? Maybe he didn't like it. That's it. He didn't like it He didn't like Chuck Dixon. Is that what you're saying? Maybe him and Chuck Dixon had a little disagreement. Maybe they didn't get on. Mm. Possibly, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, Batman, still reeling from Colonel Vega's neural disruptor, plummets to meet Fox Street from 200 feet up. Robin is fortuitously swinging by and captures him and, proving that Batman is a change man, he tells Robin he's taking a night or two off to recover. For Batman, however, this simply means following up on the lead that Troika is involved with Wayne Enterprises and changes to Bruce Wayne. Meanwhile, the Troika, now a duo, are a little pissed off that they can't find Dark Riders' nuclear bomb to use to their own ends. Romana throws around a man that has failed her in finding the weapon, but as she chucks him against packing crates, the bomb, stashed on a said crate, tilts and sways before falling off. The bomb goes off and Gotham is destroyed in a blaze of fire and brimstone. Next week, it's the start of... I do that gag every week though and every week you sit there and go wait a minute that's not what happened one week you'll you'll get wise to me actually what happened was the KGB's caught the bomb disguised as a baseball remember and keeps it to himself the next day, Bruce is at Wayne Industries catching up with Lucius and laying the play playboy bit on a bit thick when Romana arrives to show Lucius what refusing her offer entails. Bruce fumes, but both he and Lucius pretend he is a lowly personal assistant. When Lucius refuses to deal with Romana, she has the KGBs destroy a Wayne chemical plant. Bruce, furious, orders Lucius to take his family to the Wayne private jet for a few days. He'll deal with this personally. The fire spreads rapidly with Montoya telling Gordon it will take a few days for the fire service to get it under control. The KG beast is going ape, firing uncontrollably as Harvard Bullock and Mackenzie Hardback Bock move in alongside guardian angel Robin the Teen Wonder. Romana, meanwhile, has headed over to Lucius' family to get him to play ball, but they have already been evacuated and Batman is waiting. Back at the chemical plant, KG Beast holds a cauldron at Bullock, nearly killing him, and Robin and Hardback move in as the KG Beast reveals the ace in the hole. The nuclear baseball. Uh, page one I did like that Batman didn't make a super swift recovery from the events of the last issue missing his grapple throw by a good foot or so and nearly plummeting to his doom Robin arriving seems a tad coincidental and he catches Batman by hurling a batarang around his leg and stopping his fall unless the bat rope has some kind of tension in it and there's nothing to say it doesn't then Robin just ripped Batman's leg out of his socket yeah Robin does complain that catching Batman nearly tore his own arm off so lip service is paid but what are they
1: grappling onto though?
0: Well, uh, again, isn't that a question that sometimes you're best not
1: asking? Just like in the Spider Man games, yeah. you, just swing you were just swinging towards a
0: to convenient cloud. Yeah. As, uh, Superman was just flying by. He caught all the Robin's <laughs> grapple. He said, Thanks, Soups, I got it. And oh, away they went.
1: Well, they just had a team up, which will be told elsewhere. Yes, that would be good. A Superman Robin team up that actually came in place in between these two issues.
0: Oh, I like Superman Robin team ups mm-hmm. especially when it's Tim Drake uh,
1: page 3 I think C- Lois Lane likes Superman Robin team ups Lois the Cougar
0: <laughs> right, Crocky 2 you see what they did there yeah, I do. Crocky 2 is presumably an in joke that we're not in on given that the stars are said to be Peter Sun and Vincenzo a nod to editors Darren Vincenzo and Scott Peterson Crocky's back and the laughs on us i like I said I mean I get that Crocky is a play on Rocky mm-hmm. but he's a green dinosaur so are they doing some Barney riff there No, I don't that know. I'm not aware of I, I, no, I, I thought it
1: was those adverts where it's a bunch of kids and this cool ass dinosaur he's, he'll never be as rad as with the, the cereal
0: where's the word rad come back
1: from <laughs> I don't have no idea has that just
0: come back in randomly like it it's 1986 again
1: uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it apart from you saying that's good going that's so rad man that's so gnarly but you're trying
0: it's... to start your own I am
1: that, yeah. I'm, I'm stuck in this loop everything's gnarly and rad you need to watch The Breakfast
0: Club uh, page four Batman actually smiles mm. when he says he's going to do the sensible thing and take the night off I like how he looks for a ladder yes it's, that was very funny mm. he makes a joke about taking the stairs down instead of swinging down which was uh, Batman's got a sense humour again, which uh, changed, man. Changed, man. Yes. Page seven. Romana beating upon the thug and the baseball rolling, rocking back and forth, is quite tense if inadvertently comical, but KG Beast catching it seems a little implausible. It just seemed to land in his hand, didn't it? Mm. He didn't seem to notice that it was falling. He kind of, and even his face looking at it is like, what is this? <laughs> I seem to have found myself a baseball what if it just
1: fell and he hadn't caught it It'd blown a it would have spot. blown up it would have blown up
0: everyone would have died end of story <laughs> that would have been a bit sad really I suppose uh, page 9 Bruce's bored playboy act I do frequently wonder if Lucius still falls for this hmm. he seems far too savvy to think that Bruce is really this vacuous yeah. especially as Bruce makes it quite clear he knows exactly how well his company's doing So, I always get the feeling Lucius knows Bruce isn't as vacuous as he pretends to be. Hmm. He's not in her head. I reckon Lucius knows he's Batman. No, I don't think he does. He's not Morgan Freeman.
1: True. But he doesn't really... I don't think Bruce hides it as well as he does around other people.
0: No, I I mean, the playboy thing is laid on a bit thick, but I don't think Lucius thinks he's Batman. I mean, why would you think that? Why would you think Bruce Wayne was Batman? Put yourself in the position of the characters. That's like us going, ah, Richard Branson must be Batman. <coughs> okay, um... I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't... Uh, you wouldn't... Uh, the, the Post-crisis? Other than the money thing. Like yeah. Batman has to be rich. But um, didn't they establish at some point that Bruce was known to have funded Batman in some way? Batman Incorporated. Was it? I've not Is that it was from? Because that, to me, that creates more questions than it solves. Mm. Because suddenly Bruce is known to be helping a vigilante. Surely that puts him in trouble. It does, and that's one of the threads. Oh, is it? Is that actually answered in story? All right, right, fair enough. I may read that one there. Um, Page 10, Romana kind of, sort of recognises Bruce but can't place him, which I quite liked. Mm. As we mentioned, Bruce is a prominent citizen, but he's not like Donald Trump, recognisable all over the world. He's prominent in Gotham. But probably in that I know him from somewhere kind of way. Mm. I did like that secretly Bruce is livid with how badly they treat Lucius here. And the, but when, when he turns around, he's got his vacuous playboy face on. Yeah. But when they're not looking at him, his face is, is saying, I am going to kill you last. Batman without the cowl. Yeah, which is quite... I quite liked that. I thought that was very entertaining. Uh, page 14, I absolutely adored... Bruce on page 13. In panel three, he's all anger. A coiled spring ready to attack as his back is turned to Lucius. But when he turns around to face him, they've actually changed his body language. Um, his face is all sweetness and light. Bruce offering Lucius the company jet and a ticket out of town shows a nice curring side of Bruce that is often neglected. No, I, I
1: quite like how Bruce is handled here because... In more recent ones, he's Batman all the
0: time. Mm, whereas here, there's very definitely a demarcation line, isn't yeah. there, between Bruce and Batman, which was quite good. I loved, I loved, I like you. I loved how Bruce Wayne was written in this issue. To see, this is one of the things I miss about, I've lost with the new Fifty Two. It's not the continuity; mm. it's this sense of history. That they built all this up over a period of time, they earned it, yeah. and now they've just said, oh, "It's a five-year timeline, and everything's like this." And you, you've not got that sense that you've grown to know all these characters and and stuff. It's I thought I thought the the handling of Bruce was very well done. Page sixteen, I thought it quite interesting that the Gotham City Police Department fly around in Errolf. No, oh, yeah, it, that's totally Errolf. It is. Uh, but in the last panel, Commissioner Gordon looks like Magnum PI. Yeah, doesn't he? Magnum PI
1: Earwolf
0: crossover. A Magnum PI Earwolf crossover. PI, which could totally have
1: happened. That would have been awesome. If TC rented um, an Earwolf
0: the day. I don't think they rented Earwolf out, dude, given that, you know, nobody knew they had it. All right, fine.
1: Earwolf got stolen and placed on the black market. TC needed a, a new helicopter. The whole premise
0: of the show was that Hawk had stolen Earwolf. Right, well,
1: someone else stole it and put it on the black market.
0: I'm sure we can come up with a less convoluted. Let's just say Stringfellow Hawk's got to go to Hawaii to blow people off given that that's what he did every but then, week. But then how does Magnum get a hold of it? Ah, well, while they're in Hawaii, he looks up his old Vietnam buddy, Thomas Sullivan Magnum.
1: But then but then you've got a history that hasn't been
0: explained before. So, oh, yeah, like that's a concern of television like shows. Like you just said
1: here, with, with the new 52, it's the, they haven't earned it. You, okay, you so why, why,
0: why is it implausible that Thomas Magnum didn't know Stringfellow Hawk? All right, here's a better one for you. TC knows Stringfellow Hawk, because they were both chopper pilots they were both combat pilots in now. Alright. So he, he goes the to the yeah. TC. Right. There you go. Right. That works better. It does. And in the course of the story introduces him to Magnum. Yeah. There you go. I can't believe we for just pitched an earwolf Magnum play. No, no, no. So trouble, episode, trouble arises when
1: someone goes to um, the military go to Magnum and say, Ooh, we just heard that this string fellow hot guy's come around town and he stole our jet. We need you to investigate. That would
0: work. It would. That's an interesting dilemma. Because yeah. then TC's got to choose between his two friends. Mm-hmm. And, and we could have a scene where TC flew Werewolf. Yeah. That'd be awesome. We should We one. should make that <laughs> show, shouldn't we? Apart from the fact that Ernest dead. Yeah. So that, 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 would, no, we wouldn't have Dominic Santino.
1: If, if we make it using stock footage,
0: <laughs> we just look like the fourth <laughs> season of Herwolf, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, back to Batman. I don't think Batman has anything to do with Erwulf. Um, page 19. Well, that's our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman Erwulf nobody knows. Holy Ghost of yeah, they keep Erwulf in the Batcave <laughs> instead of in that big cave in the Valley of the Gods. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Can you imagine the damage Batman could do if he had an Erwulf? Why aren't we rise an Erwulf? Because it's been off the earth since 1987. <laughs> Uh anyway, uh yeah, what was I saying? Assuming Romana, Navratna Lunda, went straight to Lucius's family. Lucy Lucius got them out very quickly. Mm. I mean, a certain amount of time must have passed as Robin leaves Arianas and gets back into town as Robin and the Gotham City Police Department have had time to get into the explosion and assess the damage, which does beg the question where did Romana go? Why like, oh, all this time was passing. You should nip to Starbucks for the coffee. Yeah. I will have one of your decadent lattes. I want cream on it, yeah, Capitalist and, I, caffeine. and the caffeine. I don't want the little sprinkles, <laughs> yeah, because we do not have these in Russia. We have to drink vodka all the time, yeah. But if you wish to put some vodka in my in my Starbucks, that would be grand, yeah. No, that's
1: what she does anyway. Mixing your capitalism with your communism. Yeah.
0: that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was I doing? Oh yes. A bad Russian accent. A bad Russian accent, yes. Uh, This was much better. I thoroughly enjoyed this issue. Uh, The third chapter moves all the players into place for the conclusion, but as usual, Chuck Dixon does it quickly and efficiently, and with panache and style. Bruce gets a lot to play, showing how smart he can be, and again, as is normal, for a Dixon action issue, it rattles along at a decent clip. Some liberties seem to be taken with the timeline for expediency's sake, but this is nothing that would spoil the story too much. Unless you go off on a tangent about how a wolf could go to Hawaii to meet Thomas Magnum. It was a good tangent. It was, yes. Robin 14, the final part of Troika, has absolutely no mention of the fact that this is Troika Part 4, either on the cover or inside. Okay. Which seemed a bit odd to me, but... Whatever. Mine's the variant which isn't muddy by Tom Grimmins and Terry Austin. Batman standing looking mean and moody with Robin at the side of him. Uh, The regular cover with KGB's approaching Robin from behind... Insert U uh, E Mrs. Gag here is by Tom Grummet and Ray Crising. Uh, they're both quite good this time out. Uh, its title is Big City Bomber. It was written by Chuck Dixon, with that by Tom Grummet and Ray Crising. Adrian Roy coloured. Albert T. De Guzman lettered. John B. Gorfinkel was assistant editor. Danny O'Neill was the editor. Picking up where we left off, Robin prepares to take on the KG beast who has the nuclear baseball but before he can strike hardback bark opens fire the blast stuns the KGB beast enough that they can carry the wounded bullock away they get as far as they do a risk with the wounded bullock and robin sends hardback for some emts whilst he waits for batman feeling that KG beast is going to want to be sure he takes batman with him when he detonates the bomb The Batman is busy with Romana over at Lucius Fox's place and Robin has to perform CPR to get Bullock breathing again, which he does as the KG Beast finds both of them. Robin manages to push the Beast back with a double kick, but with him lunging at him, Robin considered using Bullock's gun to stop the KG Beast. The battle does not go well for the Boy Wonder and he rips the cybernetic implant out of the Beast's eye, which, as it was linked directly to the Beast's brain, causes some small amount of pain. Fed up, the Beast hurls the base bomb which is caught by the Batman Batman congratulates Robin on a job well done and they leave Bullock to the AMTs as they decide what to do with the bomb with Bullock in hospital expected to recover and Lucius Fox returning home to find the house completely redecorated after the battle between Batman and Romana the Batman makes further changes to the costume because he's back for good and there's a clue master subplot that will carry over into Robin 15 page 1 through 5 the opening couple of pages are pretty damn good with Robin and Bok making a pretty good team. The art and the coloring in these early pages is also pretty damn spectacular. Hardback on page four keeps saying, I read a lot. Which either says he knows a lot more than he's saying or his nickname absolutely tells you a little about his character. Ah. Hardback.
1: Yeah. You see? It's very clever. It's funny if he actually reads paperbacks. <laughs>
0: It'd be funny if he does read a lot but of those chintzy romance novels that you buy at airports. He's got like a five foot tall stack of him up by the side of his bed. Nils and Boone collection. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the other side he's got all the shades of grey stuff. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey Palm. Hardback Bok reads mummy palm. <laughs> Helps him get in touch with his feminine side. He's <laughs> on DC characters as well. Oh, Fifty Shades of Dick Grayson. <laughs> also on page four, Bok's reaction to Robin's statement that the beast cut off his own hand just to escape from Batman and Bok's reaction I thought was pretty damn good Mm. again I simplified this in the synopsis but Dixon keeps cross-cutting between Batman fighting at Lucy's house Robin and the Beast and Bok making his way back to the EMTs and this really gives this issue a a typically fast pace. Pages 6, 7, 10 and 14 are all devoted to the batman Romana fight and are exceptionally well done. As befits Batman, the fight scenes are largely silent and Grummet gives good capage. Batman's new bodysuit costume is lacking somewhat as it has no definition to the boots or pants. Ridding Batman of the Trunks, which happened well before the New 52... And this costume seems very reminiscent of the Tim Burton movie's costumes. It's fine. And we probably have gotten used to it thanks to those films. But it lacks a certain something by not showing where the boots end. Just makes it look like he's wearing a leotard, doesn't it? Hmm. Or a onesie. That's a bat onesie. Bat onesie. Uh, Lucia's house gets trashed, which does pay off later on. I
1: like that fight scene.
0: I, I thought the fight scene was exceptional in this one. Um... Page nine. I like the feuding between the Gotham City Police Department. Mm. This kind of bickering makes the people seem real, like real people in a real workplace. Page sixteen was exceptionally interesting. I really dug that Robin considered using Bullock's gun to stop the KGB. Yeah, I like that. Um, in such a situation, and had he aimed to wound and not kill, I wonder what Batman would have said about it.
1: Mm if you just kneecapped
0: him yeah would Batman have been okay with that if the alternative was he lost another Robin Mm. it's an interesting point isn't it and I do like that Tim Drake considered using the gun yeah and then decided against it page 17 the KG Beast really does get the upper hand with Robin and Robin is very lucky not to be more seriously wounded he only wins by ripping out the eyepiece and he didn't expect his eyepiece to be ripped to the brain Mm. he does that as a last resort doesn't he Yeah. which again I buy because Robin's not Batman and therefore he's not six paces ahead of everybody else Uh, page 19 Robin really pumping his legs to catch the baseball is an extremely tense Mm. is an extremely tense scene and Batman arriving just in time and catching it is cool for the reader but really must have been annoying for Robin oh, I thought this
1: ending was so disappointing really did you in one page they just throw away the KG beast Yeah. and then Batman shows up and no one does a perfect catch
0: yeah I wonder what he did do with the baseball
1: because there's
0: know. a loose end at the end of this storyline isn't it Batman has a nuke in the Batcave. yeah I wonder if that was addressed in an issue I've not read. Um, The art throughout the entire issue is spectacular, as might be expected from Grummet, and Dixon does a great job of bringing the whole shebang to a close. Uh, There are still a few loose ends, as I just mentioned, what did they do with the nuclear bomb, and I do feel that a splash page of Batman and Robin patrolling Gotham would have been a better ending to what is essentially the conclusion of the whole Knight's saga. But I reckon the powers that were didn't want people jumping off the book. Uh, This issue marked a different direction for the Batman comics. After nearly three years of interlinked continuity, the books would have an editorial from editor Denny O'Neill in the next couple of issues in which, having taken on the comments of readers, no story would be over three issues long. There would be a lot of single-issue stories and there would be no cross-continuity. This was a noble experiment, but later O'Neill reported that there was absolutely no noticeable difference in sales and, in fact, crossovers sold better. So the moral of this story is there is a loud vocal minority of people going, crossovers are bad, okay, but when it comes to sales figures, we buy them. Mm -hmm. Because there are mugs that want to read everything.
1: Curse those people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: And that's it. So we've finished Troika, so we finally got Troika out of the way. So we have done with Nightfall, Night's Quest, Night's End, Prodigal, Troika. What a long, strange track it's been mm-hmm. to you, cover You know what our that. next
1: Batman crossover is? What? Night nice vowels
0: uh, Wait, is that... I thought you wanted to do Hush. It's not a
1: crossover. Hmm, okay.
0: Well, that's a fair bit down the line. For the next couple of weeks, we're doing No More Heroes season. Where we're going to pick one comic each for each show. Yes, we're taking it easy for a bit. uh That doesn't have a superhero in it. hmm That's the only criteria. We can pick anything we want. I'm doing... Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos next week. Michael, what are you doing? no idea. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Good. I'm, I'm glad that you're not in anywhere <laughs> last minute. Oh, no. As per usual. Okay. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed that one. I quite enjoyed that. All my voice feels like it's packing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope you enjoy No More Heroes, which is coming up over the next couple of weeks. Be interested to see how that one does take us out of our comfort zone a little bit. Um... We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Email us in if you wish to be on the show uh, and we'll be back at the same time and same place. Bye bye. Goodbye. his comics is that the devil will make work for idle hands to do production and all opinions expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and you probably shouldn't take them too seriously all music and sound clips used in the show are for illustrative and review purposes only and no infringement is intended Andrew and Michael make no money from the production of this show which is a source of much consternation new episodes drop every Thursday over at twotruefreaks.libson.com which is spelt L I B S Y N. Old episodes of the show are also archived on the Two True Freaks Internet radio feed at two com. If you wish to communicate with Michael or Andrew or any of the things they have discussed about on the show, you can email them at Hey Kids Comics, all one word, at virginmedia.com. If you wish to view the covers of the comics we've talked about this week, we have a website www.haykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you are so inclined but don't actually want to drop us an email but just wish to ask us a quick question or say hi you can Facebook friend us. We're using Hey Kids, all one word, as the first name and Comics as the surname. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.